I feel really guilty. About what? It is Finish Your Novel Month. I know that's not the name of it. I know it's actually got a fun, catchy thing. But I see a lot of really cool progress from a lot of people in my feed about how many words they've written and how far they're going. Like, it's very cool. It's, it's very much like Inktober, where artists create on a schedule, on a timeline that they have to create. It kind of moves the creative fervor. I'm, I'm enjoying of that. And I like everyone else chasing that. But for me, that is just not how I write at all. Writing for me is a fever dream at 10 o'clock in the evening when I'm about to go to bed and suddenly I'm like, but wait. And then the computer comes out and I'm typing till three in the morning. Basically, Billy Mays takes possession of your fingers and says, but wait, there's more. Aaron, that is a creepily accurate that was fantastic i'm gonna say that from now on that when i'm writing in a frenzied stupor that it's billy mays channeling me for his dark grim needs (laughs) but it's true it's it's so hard to create on demand which is why it's weird that we've chosen to do a podcast well yeah it is very hard to create on demand Says the guy who is in commercial art, artistry, or commercial art, basically, where I have to create on demand pretty much every day. There's something really special about that, I think. I think it's really hard for people to pull things. Like, all work is valuable. Everyone doing a job is a valuable part of society. But when you have to make something from nothing, when you have to look at the parts of several and say, I don't know how this all works. It's my job to figure it out. That can be really intimidating. Yeah, and it's creativity can strike at the weirdest of times. Like literally right this second as we are recording this, I'm thinking about how to better um, not necessarily record, but how to get a better windscreen for our mics. And I'm like, I'm slowly my hand is reaching for my phone, but I'm resisting to look on Amazon. So I appreciate that. Yeah. you Is that all you appreciate about me? Uh, no, I appreciate a lot of things. I appreciate that when I wake up crying in the middle of the night because I've had a dream that's so real that it must really be happening, you just turn over, look at me, and just slap my face a couple times and say, get over it and go back to sleep. That really puts it in perspective for me. Hey, go the fuck back to sleep. <laughs> I did have a very cool dream last night that there was a feast day, but not like a for the saints feast day, but like there's this giant lizard, and if we don't give it this really rapturous feast, he'll consume the world, sort of weird Norse mythos getting mixed into my Christianity. <laughs> How dare you get this Norse into my good Christianity? Also mixed in with D&D, because right now as a cleric, I could have a spell where I could make food for everyone. It's not anything to write home about. It's very boring and bland, but it'll feed you. Also, versus you wasting our rations? Why haven't you done this already? Because the next level spell is to make a feast, a bounteous, sumptuous feast, and it gives everyone extra D4 dice and increases their HP, and it's super rad. So in the dream, I was telling them, why don't we just feed the lizard shit? It'll literally eat anything. Why don't we, why don't we just make it this nice, pretty feast with feathers? And, and pâtés and pumpkin spices. We could literally just give anything Don't you to mean it. Peasants. Peasants. It was. They were peasants. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Why don't we just feed it the peasants? Yes, sire. Why don't we do? Wait a minute. Con- control the means of the operation for food for the giant lizard. <laughs> Quick and accessible, movable text. We can't let the serfs know. What is that, my lord? Nothing. 
Do you feel like we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole there, my love? I feel like you're Aaron. <laughs> and you're Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to the, the idea. idea. We'll continue ranting and raving and uh, do the uh, plug party. Well, you can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com and you can visit our website marriagetheidea.weebly.com for links to all of our episodes through season three as well as a contact form to reach us better you uh also can throw many at us by going to patreon.com slash married to the idea signing up for one of our uh great great good good best best tiers to see what kind of fan you want to be and as always the highest tier gets you into the sponsor dome or anything that you choose for us to discuss and debate will it beat audible hard to say if you give enough money to us maybe it will but until that day (laughs) but uh as you can see we are reviewing a movie that probably everyone has heard of that you're probably wondering why the hell we're reviewing it. Well, Elizabeth, why don't you tell the wonderful folks at home why we're reviewing it? Good news, everybody. The Feminist Corner is branching out. I thought it was the Feminist Agenda. It's branching into the Feminist Agenda. You're saying that like we we had discussed this prior because this is a bit that I don't know about. No, no, no. So Aaron has given me complete creative control over the podcast for the next month. <laughs> so for <laughs> my <laughs> for my dark grim needs, I have decided to let Feminism Corner, our usual episodic take on what does this movie say about women in general and letting it kick open and bust into the feminist agenda where we devote an entire episode to a movie talking about all of its qualities relating to feminist philosophy so um scared no not no no actually aaron is super on board this aren't you babe i am actually very much on board on with this because uh i would call myself a feminist uh like i know a lot of people give tom hardy crappy like oh he's a feminist but how is he a feminist and blah 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 blah. i i believe in uh uh equal pay fairness uh yes best we address our interpretation of feminism before we move too far into the feminist agenda okay uh, because feminist can be a loaded word sometimes. So let's set the minds of the viewer at ease. Do you think that women should have a choice in what they want to do with their lives? Yeah. Super! You're a feminist, according to Liz and Aaron. <laughs> Ta-da! It was, that's all it took. That was I didn't your... know I was playing the part of the, the, uh, the question, or sorry, the, the viewer, the listener. Uh, this I, is... I thought I was playing the part of Aaron. This is not a... This... Produced by Aaron, directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> this is not a she-man, woman, man-haters club. <laughs> We are not here to drag down men. Far from it. We are of the opinion that true feminism lies with women being allowed to make the same choices and mistakes that men do. We're not saying that one is better than the other. We're literally saying that to be a true feminist movie, in our estimation, needs to let its female characters have agency, not just be lampshades. And to be or able the, to make uh, prize to be won, or the princess, uh, or the girl in the fridge, or the princess at the end of the castle. We really wanted to avoid tropes, so we want to make sure that that's from you. For so everyone listening knows that's where we're going forward from this. So there's a lot of 
movies out there that are probably more true feminism movies, um, or there people might even disagree what makes a movie feminist or not. I know that I looked at a whole bunch of lists of feminist movies as ranked by the internet when I was making some of my choices. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you did prior research. I well, I, it's very important to walk into the feminist agenda with prior knowledge, which is why I had Aaron do some research, too, because Aaron had seen A League of Their Own before. Yeah. This and is, I had not. This is actually one of my mom's favorite movies. Um, I wouldn't call it like her favorite movie, but I would say maybe top 20 at the minimum, because I've seen this movie quite a few times i was sitting there i i had to resist quoting more of the movie than i did i think it quoted about two or three lines uh but i could have quoted a hell of a lot more because i've seen this movie so many times i've not seen it in quite a few years so there was this was definitely with fresher eyes i will say that now, Aaron, your mom and your mom's father were both heavily involved in sports throughout the for a little oh, most of their lives. Yeah. So I feel like that has a really strong connection and tie. Like I was never part of a team sport. <laughs> I yeah. no, I, you wanna, no. Do you want to tell a story? Uh, so in middle school, I really wanted to try for the basketball team because in my mind, basketball was shooting uh, free shots. And three pointers, and just and just hit, putting the ball in the hoop, and I'm like, that sounds like a really fun game to play. I love doing that at home. I can do that here. So I signed up for a week of summer basketball camp. I arrived at the basketball camp, got hit in the head three times, and so I quit. I just straight up walked out and I said, "Mom, I'm not going back tomorrow." And she said, "Okay." I kind of thought that was going to happen, but. Fan, let's go back to dance class. And I went back to my solo career in sports. Yeah, it wasn't so much that you weren't athletic. It was that you were athletic in a completely different way. I was not an aggressive person. I think we can figure that out Yet, from the... when we played flag football. Okay, now let's say that. I did learn to become an aggressive player, mainly because I was tired of people walking all over me. So in flag football... If there was a space to go around a person, I did not take it. I oh, went no. through them. In, in, in dodgeball, you would dance around the balls yeah. to the point where people would get annoyed and just sit there and have and wear out their arms and have basically shooting galleries at you. That uh, was a lot of fun, but it's because I didn't want to get hit by a ball. A ball could actually hurt me. person can't hurt me. person's like me. I know. I have a weird brain. I like whitewater rafting, but I can't do roller coasters. Make of that what you will. So anyways, yes, my mom uh, played softball and basketball and actually did cheerleading as well uh, throughout her younger years until college. Uh, I think she played some softball in college. She would be able to tell me, and I don't remember off the top of my head. But I know that you two like to go to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame a lot here in Tennessee. We really love our Lady Vols. Yes. uh, We've been to a couple. uh, We've been to the Basketball Hall of Fame, and we went to a game last season. I'm actually hoping to go to another game this season. Oh, it's a ton of fun watching them play. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we actually helped break their streak. That was right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, they were on a losing streak. And uh, we the first the game that we went to was their first win in so many games, so that was kind of fun. But uh, my mom, she enjoys sports. She doesn't enjoy professional sports. She doesn't enjoy like watching football. She, she likes to play. She likes to play, and she now, unfortunately, with her health and her body as of late, she's not been able to play for many years. So. It's it's not been one of those things, but A League of Their Own is more than a sports movie. It is absolutely the relationships you form with your team. 
with your um, with your coach, with your teammates, and even with people that you're related to that are on your team as well. So, and it's and it's a good, it feels good movie um, at the end. There are some very low lows and some very high highs, but uh, it is one of those movies that is a feel good movie in in general. So it is a good movie. So first off, let's just say that. It's a good movie. Go watch it if you've not watched it. Um, and from here on out, spoiler warning, because we will spoil the shit of it. However, this is a 26-year-old movie at this point, and you need to watch it if you've not watched it, especially if you have a young girl that is interested in sports at all. This kind of shows the camaraderie that you get with uh, a team at all. Like... This is now granted this is a team that kind of gets thrown together in a time where people were really looking for um strength in um relationships especially neighbors and everything like that because I mean it was the war time so people were really trying to you know show strength in numbers or strength in um unity thank you show unity and everything like that so well, that's the whole premise of the entire movie is that the men are all off at war and they kind of make they do make this great parallel between Rosie the Riveter and this all-women's baseball league. We ask the women to do their patriotic duty to come work in the factories to take over the jobs the men had gone. We need entertainment. All the baseball players have signed up uh, to go fight Hitler. So we need a the women to come in and play sports. And at the climax of it, it is a very good job of showing what we, we told them to come to do their patriotic duty, and now we're sending them back with nothing that they you aren't needed anymore goodbye and it's and it's a very interesting argument because you can kind of understand both sides um because at one point it's it's a argument uh kind of late in the movie where the guy who basically builds this league up from nothing um and he's a nice guy he he he, he tries to find different ways to market and and build the the honestly the brand if you will um the product he's like i built this I gave you a product when there was no product. Um, and the guy who's bankrolling this entire thing, basically, he's just like, well, the boys are coming back home from war. What are we expecting them to do? That comes from either or thinking. Yeah. And I hate either or thinking because I feel it's very limiting. It's to say that because men are coming back home, there is no place for a women's baseball league is ludicrous because that implies you can only have one, that there's limited capacity in the human collective to enjoy something you couldn't possibly enjoy both things there couldn't possibly be crossover at all no you can only like one thing how dare you try to like two and knoxville is a great representation of a both situation um for specifically basketball so and we still even with a a floundering coach we still enjoy both like, we went there on a day that was um, talking about breast cancer, and you could still see a lot of support for these young women, and there's a hell of a lot of support for these young men. So it, there's there are a lot of situations where it doesn't have to be either or, it can be both. So... Yeah, you're 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 right, but it's still it's hard to see, because there are going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, it's an either or situation. So, but that uh, the Ira, the guy who builds. Uh, or basically runs the league. He he fights tooth and nail for these girls, and he's not even like like he's not he's altruistic, but he's also he's got like he's not I wouldn't call him sleazy by any means, but he's more of a 
we've got to do what we've got to do. Because at one point, at the very beginning um, of them trying out and getting accepted to the teams and everything, uh, they see their new uniforms. And there's a huge, not an uproar, but there's like a lot of complaints. And he comes out, he's like, girls, there's about 40 other women who are getting train tickets home that would happily play in bathing suits if I asked them to. Now, that almost seems sexist. But it's it's less of a sexist statement and more of a, I know this seems a, like a bad situation, but we are trying to, you guys are going to go out there and play. We don't care what you play in, but we're trying to get people in the seats. It's kind of like those, it's like mascots. No, it's, that's both again. It's, it's, it's business-minded and sexist. <laughs> that's not an, it it's, could be, it's but it's not. It's open-minded and sexist at the same time. Yeah, just proving that there's, there knows no bounds. Now, that's the funny thing. The whole movie starts off with these girls in pants and shirts playing in their neighborhood teams and scouts coming and picking them up and saying, okay, yeah, but you, it's at that point when someone from outside their small community comes in where we get the, you have to be pretty, you have to look good. You can't yeah. just play the game. You have to play the game. And that's why, you know, I think that's why it's really important that the movie continues that route of showing that when they get there, there are just a bunch of people who think, why are women playing baseball? What's the, what's the gimmick? What's the gag? And I do like that they play into it. They steer in. They lean in to make sure that people still keep coming so they can actually figure out what they like. And I do like that they have a line, that they don't just start flashing their you know, bras at the camera or whatever. What if at a key moment, my, my top comes undone and, uh, oops, one of my bosoms comes out? <laughs> they do... Uh, like they, they wear the, the short skirts, obviously, but, you know, they never... It is never shot in a way that demeans them. And that is why it's so key that this movie, it tackles the ideas that were happening in 1940s America without filming it through a 1940s perspective. It, 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 it is, but not entirely. They never upskirt with a shot. They never focus yeah, on... Yeah, because it's not filtered through a male lens because it's directed by Penny Marshall. Yes, it is. That's why, uh, like... Big was big was shown how this kid who is a uh, a teenager grows up and he's still a teenager but he's not a horny like hey I'm gonna go have sex with everything I'm a big I'm an adult let's go find a prostitute no he's a scared teen in he in a, an adult body he wants to go home to his mom he writes home to his mom it's the same kind of mental processing so in fact Penny Marshall was the first female director to break a hundred million dollars box office and i think it was either with this movie or with big well she deserves it with that sort of list behind her <laughs> so going back to a league of their own there are some amazing performances in this movie and one that rubs me raw but we'll we can touch on that in just a, a second and there's a reason why it's so pronounced oh don't um, leave me in suspense now i gotta know oh okay so um your main characters are probably going to be gina davis ah, and Dottie. ah gina i miss you gina davis Lori petty as kit who is giving a performance of a lifetime this is one of her first major roles ever and neither gina davis nor Lori petty were the original casting choices like 
uh, I think two people had to back out of the Dottie role before Gina Davis got the role. And Lori Petty was like the fourth or fifth choice. It was like, like almost like a, they were the last, they, they were like fill-ins almost. So, and both of them turn in absolute powerhouse performances and it's so weird because Lori Petty did such a great job in this movie. You got to wonder what the hell was what with Tank Girl or Free Willy. <laughs> well, I don't think Lori Petty's to blame for Tank Girl. No, and Tank Girl is a unique mess. It's a mess, but not a mess, but it is, but it isn't, whatever. So, and then Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Need I say more? I am very Hanks. unfamiliar with Tom Hanks being the asshole. I am very unfamiliar with this side of Tom Hanks. He in the nineties, he went. He would kind of leapfrog, or he would flip flop. He would be an asshole, and then he wouldn't be an asshole. Then he would be an asshole. At one point, you and I need to watch. Uh, oh hell, the one with him and Dan Aykroyd, where it's based on a sixties cop show, and it it's like a reboot. But it still stays kind of close to the source material, but it's set in the 90s, it's real or 80s. It's really, it's kind of well done, but I don't, I, yeah. Anyways, wait, that might be a guest episode even, but um, he plays kind of that lovable asshole. And he did that for a long time. But then in the 90s, he started to kind of flip-flop a little bit because there was like The Burbs and um, uh, Valley of the Dolls and in this movie where he plays that lovable asshole or like big where he plays literally a teen in a adult body or you know hell fucking or no toy story where he was an asshole it's like it's tom but tom hanks exudes this niceness where he just you can't help but love him it's kind of like ryan reynolds i think ryan reynolds might be kind of the new tom hanks in a way so but these three powerhouse performances, and then you have some amazing performances on the secondary level. Um, there's like Ann Cusack and uh, uh, the sister of Joan and John. Uh, you've got uh, the guy who plays Ira. Who, uh, God, he he turns in some powerful scenes. Bill Pullman, as a favor, a favor to Penny Marshall, he comes in and does a great job. There's one one crucial moment that we'll talk about in just a few minutes uh that i'd never noticed as a kid and now as an adult i'm like holy shit that's a great job and then there and there's a bunch of other people on the team who just these actresses do an amazing job and then there's these two people one person who does a good acting job but on set was just an absolute terror and then one person who was a nice person on set but i can't stand on camera and uh, the the two people I'm talking about, the one who was a terror on set was Madonna, and the person who I can't stand on camera was Rosie O'Donnell. And the Here's the thing, Aaron. I did not know Madonna was in this movie until we got to the credits and it said Madonna. It's, she is so... I can't even tell you which of the ladies she was, because if I had to, gun to my head, I don't know anything about Madonna, so I had to say... The girl with the very short hair who was talking about sex all the time. Yes. But I know that's not Madonna. That is her. Oh, that is her. Yes. Well, then she did all a good the job. All May is Madonna. Well, then she did a good job. Yeah. No, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. She did a good acting job. But she's no longer welcome in Evansville, Indiana. 
because of how much of a terror she was while filming this movie. That's not the only filming place that she was at, but like, there at one point they were filming the World Series, and um, they like th- uh, during parts when they weren't filming, they were setting stuff up and everything. Like a bunch of the actors who were trying to help keep the uh, extras, you know, from being bored, people would do like Rosie O'Donnell did a stand-up set, and um, uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks did a puppet show, and like these people who were like multi-million-dollar paid actors who are helping keep these extras entertained. And they're like, hey, Madonna, why don't you sing for us? Oh, no. They're like, okay. And so some other people mind her songs. So <laughs> it it was uh, apparently she was an absolute terror on set. It was ridiculous how bad she was. Rosie O'Donnell wasn't a terror on set. However, Penny Marshall kept, it was like like with Beauty and the Beast, when in doubt, hurt LeFou. With Penny Marshall's, when in doubt, give Rosie O'Donnell a line. I think uh, directors directors like to let comedians improv on the set. And it got grating after a while because Rosie O'Donnell can be funny. And I don't have a problem with Rosie. I really, really don't. But her character gets grating when you put her on too much. Because you have these wonderful other characters that you give more time to. Like Betty Spaghetti and, and Helen and uh, Ellen Sue and... Oh my god, these other characters who I want to know more about. And now, don't get me wrong, Rosie does a great job when she's not just improving. There's a scene where she's talking on the bus about this man that she has in her life who does not treat her well, and she turns a very in a very fine performance. But then there's the final scene where it's like after every pitch, she's just sitting there screaming. I'm like, I understand that that's what happens. During games, I, I've played softball, I've played baseball, people are shouting, people are screaming. But it's like every single time it goes back to Rosie. I'm like, mm. I don't come know. on, Penny. I thought all the characters did a really good job with their performances. And that's the thing, there's not a bad performance. It's just that Rosie's character got grating to me. So, um, and, there, and there was more reasons. Um, there was more reasons to why she kept showing beyond just that Rosie's good at improv or was good at improving. But um, I also want to point out real quick, I loved the, the bookends and there's, there's another reason why Penny Marshall did this is because some of those people that you see were actual players. I did get that sense. Yes. Especially during the final parts where they're showing the games being played after so many years, there's a really wonderful, like, they didn't have to bookend it like that. Like, you could say that it was just some thing that happened long ago and doesn't have any relevance today. But it was a really good way to show that even today that this first women's baseball league was important. It's a very 90s trope, but it was a 90s trope. Like This might have either started it or this is what did it one of the times did it the best. Like, Grandpa, tell me a story. Well, little Billy. And it's like... It was kind of one of those things. It's this entire movie's shown through an, uh, a huge flashback or through memories, but it's done so well. And the end part, um, you actually uh, you see a woman in the bleachers, and one guy goes, "Who's that?" Well, that's Dottie Henson. Who? I've never heard of her. And she's all oh, she's the best player in the league. Well, she only played one season, 
that was one of the best players in the league. Her name is Dolores Pickles something. Um, like her nickname is Pickles. So, but yeah, <laughs> she like like that woman is like was legitimately like one of the best players, and they got they managed to get her on uh, on the film. So, there's and it's it's really kind of neat to see these ladies just come out and play and have fun, and. And what was really cool too is most of the actresses that you see that play the older versions aren't players, but they did watch their younger counterparts and they picked up some of the um, mannerisms. Thank you, uh, the little you know ticks and stuff like that. Um, and I used to think that the actress who played older Dottie was actually Gina Davis in makeup. They did a very good job finding actresses that looked like aged up people and the ADR was a really good job of getting Gina Davis and all the actresses voices overlaid well only two actresses um had their voices Dottie and Kit yeah no Kit's you I mean you barely even see Kit it was the Ellen Sue oh okay yeah um because she sings at one point and uh she says I married a plastic surgeon which I I love that part that's so cute before we get into the sponsor dome, there's two things um, that I, I just got to mention. Um, one thing that got me this time, which was surprising, um, was the Stillwell scene at, in the in the modern day. Um, when he's talking about his mom, I've seen this actor before. He's done other things. He was in a John Wayne Gacy movie, surprisingly. Um, but he's also in Leprechaun. Yeah. Um this actor in the 20 30 40 seconds or you know two minutes that he was in i wept a a, a little bit at him talking about his dead mother because he he tells it in like he he doesn't cry but you can tell the pain that he has behind any even though his mom's been gone for a couple of years he's like he says um i just knew she would want me to come and it's just like heartbreaking. Like, you know, my own mother's still here and she's lost her mother. And it's just like, but like if something was happened to be dedicated to my mother, you bet your ass I'd be there, you know, or if something was dedicated to my grandmother, hell yeah. Or my grandfather, hell yeah. It's just like the, the emotion behind that line it, that got me and uh, shit, that Betty spaghetti scene. Uh, it, you like it would it would kind of get me as a kid, but this time, oh my god, it punched me in the and I knew it was coming. I like I even reached over and kind of held. No, you leg. held me. And I'm like, oh no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Because it, it's it's a bit of a bait and switch, um, because that you think it's gonna be um Dottie's husband, but it ends up being Betty Spaghetti's husband, and there's actually a little bit of foreshadowing. No, really, just a little bit. At the beginning, when they meet uh, uh, Jimmy Dugan, when they meet him, he comes in, and after he does this, actually pretty funny. Oh, the card and how she said her husband would come back from across the Pacific if anything happened to this card. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, Aaron, no. And after that punch to the gut, why don't we go to the sponsor dome? Oh. So uh, our uh, challenger or challengers this week uh, is it's gonna two be... sponsors enter one sponsor leaves. Our sponsor, quote unquote, this week is going to be Webtoons. Now this one's a little trickier because uh, they're uh, a little bit more established, and uh, we're we're not 
they actually sponsor, but we just want to talk about how great Webtoon is. Um, it is an app and a site that you can go on and read creator published content, um, web comics, and they uh, you can actually still support them uh, via Patreon, or they do have memberships where you can get a certain amount of uh, comics where you can't get for free. But if you don't have the money to do that, you can still get them for free. And there is a ton of content. There's a huge catalog. It's so big. Like, I have, like, 20 to 25 that I follow myself. You have nearly 30 yourself. And But it, don't worry. We're not going to talk about all of those. No, God, We are no. just each going to pick one that we think fits within the feminist agenda that yes. we want to talk about. With no spoilers, because people would want to read these. Exactly. And, um, there, like I said, there's an app you can download, and it keeps track of it. And there is a site that you can visit if you don't want to visit it on your phone or tablet or anything like that. Though we highly suggest reading it on your phone because of the way it's built. And if you, um, real quick, if you want to, vi uh, if you're like a horror comic fan, they do have some fun horror themed ones that actually are motion based. Sorry, just wanted to point that out. Liz, why don't you tell us about your comic? Uh, my comic is called The House of Stars. It is, I know you what you're saying, Aaron, you thought I was going to talk about Laura Olympus, and I will some other time, but I'm going to talk about House of Stars. It stars this young girl who can see dead people, but that's totally irrelevant, honestly, to the rest of the story. Uh, it's mostly to set up how this great connection that she has with her grandmother and talk about how stories are just this important thing. She lives so in I our... have to ask, is this main character 16? Because she's, I'm 16. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't resist. You're just punning at me now. So this <laughs> this little, uh, this little girl notices that a lot of other women in our village are going missing, disappearing, and she doesn't know why. Uh, and she sets out to figure out what has happened to them. And along the way, her knowledge of stories helps her kind of like save the day she's deductive and thinks and uh she is following this uh very cute guy but it's not because he's cute it's because he she thinks he's the one to blame for all these missing girls so she's just like i'm just following you until you lead me to this i ain't i ain't shaking this she's very much a, a mystery machine all wrapped up into one body but the main reason i want to really talk about it is because the artistry is most fabulous it's gorgeous line work, beautiful palettes. It's going to be my new backdrop eventually. <laughs> but uh, she has this really, really wonderful way of illustration with this particular story, especially with one about fantasy. It's all very cool, and our main character is super awesome. She's very quick, very quick, and she's very kind. And those are two traits that I really think are important to me as a feminist because just because you're a feminist doesn't mean that you're a nice person. They're not intertwined in that way. You can still be a jerk. So the important thing is to be a nice person and to want others to succeed as well as yourself. That's the mark of a, of a good person. And so I really like that the main character exhibits these traits as opposed to just being a hard ass who was hurt once before and now just roams the waste dealing damage to fools. <laughs> Uh, so I recommend The House of Stars. They kind of just wrapped up the first arc of her story. I guess it's the first arc because certain events have made it kind of like, oh, and this is the end, but more to come. So now would be a good time to jump in and get caught up on it. 
Yeah, they uh, they like to go with seasons, um, which uh, is really kind of cool because... Gives the creators a break, I tell you that. Yeah, um, there's a couple of them, of uh, the ones that I read that I got caught up with, and then they're like, okay, we're going to be done for a little while because we're done with the season. So, um, like, Rise from Ashes and um, Outrage are like, like, yeah, we're going to be done for a little while, like, but I want... More. <laughs> um, Aaron, what webtoon do you want to talk about? The one I want to talk about is uh, actually fairly new. Uh, I don't even think, I don't know how far they along they are in this quote-unquote season or if they're only going to do one arc. But uh, I'm going to talk about Muted. So sometimes on webtoons, a creator will make a comic and it'll start to gather steam. And after a while, it'll get discovered, which is to say that webtoon proper is like, hey, we actually want to like put money and marketing behind this one. So take a break, restructure everything, draw it up again, get a script out, and we will feature it. So Featured, yeah. Discovery and feature. So Muted is already close to 100 episodes. So it's it's far along. So the, the thing is that it was recently marketed, discovered, yeah. featured. Featured, yeah. Uh, because there's people who say, oh, um, shout out to Discovery Squad, because there's people who dis- who specifically go into the Discovery area and try to find new ones and try to help build this up. And that's what's great about Webtoons is there is a huge, just absolutely um, inclusive community. They're like, oh, we love this artwork. We love this story. This should get more attention. And they try to build it up from there. So... Um, but Muted uh, is a story about um, basically witches in the bayou, uh, excuse me, and different families of witches. You know, some that are more tricksters, some that are more uh, shadow-based, some that are more uh, plant-based, some that are more um, demon-based even. Uh, but not demon in a bad sense, more demon-like familiar kind of based. So they uh, – and it – uh, revolves around uh, your main character Camille and Camille has had some uh, family tragedy in the past um, I won't reveal too much because that gets revealed a little bit later on uh, but you basically follow along Camille as she discovers things about herself and um, about her past and her um, her upbringing basically and uh, it's kind of a little bit like um, true blood where like different sex like and i mean s-e-c-t-s um gets uh like well we don't hang around with the McAllisters because the McAllisters were bad blood and the McAllisters are just like why why are we bad blood because of something my ancestor did you know 200 years ago and then like like they're trying to prove themselves that they're not and you know this and that uh, it's it, it kind of has that feel, but it's definitely not nearly as you know gory and as bad as True Blood. But if you kind of like that that kind of style, it definitely um, plays into that. Um, the main character Camille is so goddamn adorable, and you just want the best for her. And she has to put up with a lot of shit, but there's some really really beautiful moments. And talking about the artistry, the watercolors of this. Uh, artists can bring to the table. Yeah, the House of Stars is all tightly contained, immaculate, pristine. Muted is washes, splashes, mess of color. Yeah, they they do like um, India ink line or style lines uh, for you know whenever they want to make things very solid. But then like backgrounds are 
muted are very <laughs> uh very generalized shapes uh and uh watercolors and it's just it's a very well done art style it's consistent all the way through i read another one where the art style is not great but the comedy kind of makes up for it um so it kind of like you you're, like i read it because i want to support the artist for their comedy yeah they're, they're i appreciate art- a webtoon where they both do well yeah and it, there's there's other times where the art is great but the story sucks. Yeah, there is a bit of that problem I find sometimes that the comics will just look absolutely gorgeous but the story is like I've heard this one before. Yeah, there's um and and, I'm, and there, so far I've not read one that is just absolutely terrible but there's there's a lot of times there's whenever you read like a Marvel comic and you look at the credits it's usually like sometimes 20 to 30 people doing one comic or one arc even these are like one to two people honestly labors of love they still get paid but that's only if people start supporting them and following them yeah and that's why the patreons are very 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 important um and it's it's an it's very nice to see and then it's like there's some bigger name comics out there like my uh, giant nerd boyfriend um adam ellis's comic uh and um, there's another big one. The, the, like my personal favorite right now is um, Hardcore Leveling Warrior. Like, what I'll do is I read the other ones, and then I'll read this one. So. And my favorite is Lore Olympus. I literally wait for nine o'clock at Saturday night every week, and I have never wanted to spend money on a thing before. But boy, do I want to spend money on this one. I don't because I'd get the three episodes ahead and then still have to wait. Yeah, like a pleb. See, and that's 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 one little drawback. So it's probably better to support the artist than to indeed. Su- and to- you can support her and. Her work is actually about to be turned into a television show uh, with uh, the Jim Henson company behind it, which makes me so excited. But if you want to listen to a book instead of read it, our other sponsor in the Sponsordom can help you out. Aaron, why don't you tell us all about Audible? Absolutely. Today's show is brought to you uh, in part by Audible. Uh, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a three or with a thirty day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And our selection today is if you are in the baseball mood, which I know some of our listener is, uh, (laughs) shout out to Rich, um, Making My Pitch, A Woman's Baseball Odyssey, uh, is written by uh, Isla Jane Borders with Gene Hastings Ardell, and it's narrated by Karen Commons. Making My Pitch shows what it's like to be the only woman on the team bus in the clubhouse and on the field. Borders ultimately re- relates on how she achieved self-acceptance and it created a life as a firefighter, paramedic, and as a coach and goodwill ambassador for the game of baseball. So if you want to, you know, have some good woman power with the game of baseball and you could get that title for free by just going to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. That is T-O, not the numeral two. <laughs> So, Aaron, in this half, I actually had you do research about the movie since you had seen it before. And you came across an article listing why 
a league of their own is the ultimate feminist movie. So I thought it'd be fun uh, for you to tell us a bit about it and we can go through point by point because we have talked a lot about plot and characters, but not quite so much the feminist agenda. So Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and get into that, shall we? Sounds great. Um, So this article uh, written by Myrna Waldron, uh, and this article is actually written uh, in 2013 for the website Bitchflix. Uh, a good sign. Yeah. Um, and this article actually illustrates five points on, uh, for rather, the title is Five Reasons Why a League of Their Own is Feminism, the Movie. And like the first point is what sold me on this article. And this article is from 2013, and we're in 2019, near the end of 2019 even, and it's still very prevalent, especially in this age or in this year where we're trying to push equality a lot more than even say two years ago so freedom of choice is essential um and i won't read the entire point uh but yeah so okay so freedom of choice is essential Uh, i think we kind of even outlined that at the very beginning our brand of feminism is that you have to be free to make this choice um I think that, again, just because you have the ability to make a choice doesn't mean you make the right choice. It just means you have the ability to make a choice. Right. And um, one, a couple things that they bring up is that uh, all the way May, or Madonna, uh, embraces her sexuality, but no one condemns her for being sexual. They, they one At one point, they say, wow, the dress is really short or really tight. That's it. They don't say, well, you're a slut. They just say, wow, that dress is tight. That's it. They don't, you know... Um, Marla. And she even talks about how this was her choice out of the town where she was, where she was stripping for 10 cents a dance. Like, yeah. don't make me go back there. I want to be here. Exactly. Uh, Marla, she says to leave the league early or that season early because she gets married uh, and she's uh, she will be coming back. And no one gives her crap about it. No one is mean to her for that. Exactly. And they're all in her wedding. They're, or they're, yeah. yeah, they all hold the baseball bats over and when they, they walk throw, through. Like, the, the soft baseballs at her. It's like, <laughs> um, and then Dottie chooses to leave the league uh, to be a wife and mother. And the only one who kind of pushes back on it is Jimmy. But that's because he doesn't want her to have any regrets. Yeah, let's talk about Dottie because this is super important. She is the main character for all intents and purposes through this movie she is the one that it, her is her flashback we are experiencing she is the one who is convinced to go to this reunion and remembers all the things that happened there and tom hanks even has a very good line when she um when bob when bob comes home from the war which is the <laughs> sweetest moment like they even have this nice sweet moment he like he comes in she's like oh my god i was crying because earlier today betty spaghetti's husband had just passed and we just found out the news and i'm like hyperventilating thinking that you're going to die too you come back and it's just very quiet it's never like what are you doing here in this baseball house in this den of sin it's just like gosh i've missed you gosh you're just the prettiest lady oh i've missed you i am never letting you go again and when she's like, well, my husband's back. I'm going home. Tom Hanks says, hey, if you want to go back and have a hundred babies, I am, I'm not going to judge you for that. He even says, I like, you, it's not my place to tell you what to do with your life. If you want to do that, go do that. And he's like, I'm no, I, I'm no, I'm no, I am in no position to tell anyone how to live their life. But I wasted five years chasing the drink. And I have, and I would give it all up for one day to be able to play again. 
Dottie's arc is so fascinating to me because it's really, really interesting to see a woman who does, it seem, have control of her destiny to make the choices that she does to ultimately be the most real person in the movie by admitting to us all it is just a game. She's like the only one who never is like a fame hound, as in if she has to do the splits because she wants the team to succeed, then she'll do the splits. And she likes to play, and she's very good at playing. But the entire time, she's like, when my husband comes home, I'm gone because that's where I want to be. And then even in the end, she does make the choice. We don't have this breakdown scene of her crying in the car in the middle of Yellowstone when she realizes, no, the team, it's like not even that. It's like, you know, I'm not a quitter. It's not because like baseball's my life and I couldn't imagine life without it. It's like, no, I just, I'm not a quitter. And after the game is done, she leaves again. And there's something, I think a lot of people would look at that and say, "How you're wasting your life. You're, what are you doing? You could have had it all. You could have been anything. And I think it's something really powerful about this woman to say, no, I know what I want. And I like to play, but I love my husband. And I want that to be the focus of my life. I don't want to, I, that's where I want to be. She makes that choice. And again, that's the whole idea of feminism. Like, everyone's like, why? She's like, it's what I want to do. So I get to do it. The woman who chooses to be a homemaker is no less of a feminist or no less of a woman than the woman who chooses to work outside of the home. Yeah. Having kids does not make you less of a feminist. Yeah. Um, that feels weird saying that as a ma'am, but... Um, <laughs> that's why we're in the feminist agenda, to learn how to say these things. <laughs> uh the, the next point is the importance of female friendship, teamwork, and camaraderie. Oh, yeah. And this, I mean, this is just in, in droves. I would say the only point where we don't really see it is with their chaperone, but that's that's the only person that we don't see it with. There's no infighting about boys. Rosie O'Donnell never gets mad at Madonna for having more guys interested in her than she. She never once says that, why are you always the one getting guys? No, 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 no. No one bases their self-worth off of guys. In fact, Rosie O'Donnell says, screw this guy who's been treating me like shit my whole life because I thought I couldn't, no one else would ever love me because I'm an other. Be gone with you. Thought, I'm going to find someone else. And in fact, as soon as she does that, like two more guys who like want to treat her like a queen or like number 22 and they're like holding up little roses little carnations and they're like oh she's like me like yeah they're like okay and And she doesn't treat them like shit because they aren't like the most handsome men known to planet earth she's like oh wow cool thank you and they're all and even um how we have marla singing to the guy in the bar who eventually ends up being her husband and it's like so adorable and it's never like a bad thing it's always just like like I'll we, treat her. We just the gave best. her a dress and a lot of liquor, but you know, we gave her a dress. And it, it was so sweet, and it's not like he takes advantage of her either. It's like I am a true gentleman of my word. I'll do that. And and oh, and oh, Bill to, Pullman, uh, to, Bill to, Pullman. Oh. Two uh, two sub points. Um, uh, at one point, May is teaching one of the characters who is illiterate how to read. But her choice of reading material is a romance novel. Erotic novel. Um, and like they grab milky white breasts in romance novels too. Don't worry. Oh, they do. Oh, they do. You don't need to read those. Um, (laughs) but they, 
uh, there, someone's like, what are, what are you having her read? She's like, hey, she's reading. That's the important part. And it is the important part. Yeah, exactly. She's teaching her how to read. She is spending time with her and saying, this is how you read. And she's like, she's encouraging her. She's not like, get to the good part. She's like, no, 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 breast. You know, like she's patient with her. It's like, it's inspiring, if not a little devious, but inspiring. It's, <laughs> devious it's, is a good way for it. It's chaotic good. Yeah, none of the girls are catty with each other. The only time they ever fight is when someone is, well, when Kit, honestly, is saying, like, I could have kept pitching. And really the story, it's it's about Dottie, but it focuses heavily on Kit's journey. And I think there's something really fabulous about Kit's journey, too, because we have a girl who's always been in the shadow of her older sister. Even if her older sister never meant it, she always feels it because that's how the world perceives them. And there's something that really strikes at the heart of me as an older sister yeah. to a younger sister. Like, that is you... literally how it went. I never meant to put my little sister in any sort of shadow. I never meant to do or any wrong by her but i was more outgoing and vivacious and bubbly and i overshadowed her constantly without realizing it and 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 it's not even so much you are doing it consciously it's other people are doing it to you like hey why don't you like they look at i wish you were as pretty as dottie i wish you were as tall as dottie i wish you were as good of a ball player as dottie or they look at them as either or as opposed to both exactly and yeah you and megan had that for the longest time hell i had that with my cousin and actually, after his passing, there was a weird time frame where I was still compared to him, even though he was gone. So it was it was weird. Um, as being kind of the younger person, I, I didn't have it nearly as bad as, say, Dottie or even Megan. Or sorry, not Megan, uh, Kit or even as Megan. But it's, it's weird. And it's not the other person, like you or Dottie's fault. It's the people who are doing the comparison. And I figured that out as I got older. And, you know, Kit, I'm sure, did as well. And Megan absolutely did because you and Megan are, like, tight as ever. <laughs> so, and and that's and that's inspiring to see. But there are people who never figure that out. So, um, and it, there are parents who kind of push siblings to always be in that rivalry. If you want some examples of that, you can go to The Good Place with uh, Tahani and her sister. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, but like, there's, there's a lot of friendships like Dottie refuses to join the team or refuses to go to the tryouts without Kit. And then, and it's not a favor. Like she throws in her face, like I got you on the team, but that's not true. She just got her the ticket. It was Kit who proved that she was a good pitcher. And she was, she never, she was never charity. Even at one point the guy was like, no, I'm I'm not going to, it's like, then he holds her arms. Like, well, there's some muscle there. It's like, tell you what, you get her on the train. I'll get you the ticket type type thing. So uh, the next uh, point is women can do anything that men can do. And that is 100% true. And in heels, no less. Yeah. Don't think they wouldn't have put them in heels. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. Um, And that's funny, too, is nowadays, like, men can do a lot of things in heels, too. And it's so that's no longer as true as it used to be there, (laughs) Miss Thing. And uh, there's a very attractive man, I have to admit, uh, who uh, can who who can do a lot of shit in heels. Uh, <laughs> I really like... John Barrowman. <laughs> couldn't go one day without mentioning John Barrowman, could you? Nope. Uh, 
Yes, absolutely so. The whole point of this is that men are gone, so we need a women's league. And they never once say that they won't be playing real baseball. That's the crazy thing. They could have made this like a, a foxy boxing sort of thing. Or where they a just get powder puff league or something. Yeah, you could have just gotten pretty girls. Yes. Laundry football doesn't make any sense to me because it's supposed to be originally it was supposed to be like, ooh, girls in like tight clothing or like like lingerie and then it's like it's heavier than like some actual tackle leagues. I'm like what the hell? I got a lot of women's soccer vibes out of this with the women being made to play on AstroTurf and thereby hurting themselves even worse because the men get to play on grass, even though the women do just as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with the Rapinoe situation earlier this year. I don't know if you remember that they won the world championship. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Then, and they're like, well, we want equal pay. <laughs> You're just ladies. Like, like no. no. We draw in the same amount of crowds and we make in the fact, same sort of money more. for your team, for your business. We we deserve equal pay. So doing what the men can do and in dresses too, like again, they go through rigorous training and tryouts. Not anyone, not just anyone gets to be in this. Yeah, there was like over a hundred girls and there was only 64 slots. So. They're all good ball players. Yeah. All of them can play. And that's the really cool thing. It wasn't just a charity case and they, they learned how to play because they'd been given this chance. It was they already knew how to play and this was their shot. Exactly. And and it's really interesting that like people think oh because you're a female you instantly can't do things like i grew up with a very strong female presence in my life and it didn't overshadow my father but my mom was very much a strong female presence my mom can do anything my dad can do and a lot of different things no not everything but it's just like why do i don't understand this thought process i had a soccer team that was, I think, U14, and the same coach had a U16 girls team, and we would scrimmage against them. And there'd be times, like, we would accidentally knock them down, not because, like, we were trying to be like, oh, no, I'm so sorry, you're delicate. It's just, like, we we didn't mean to knock them down, and they would pop right back up, and they're like, what? Like, they would get hurt worse by other females than it would be from us 14-year-olds. 14 and it's, in like, girls can do any or not girls females can do anything that men can do it's it doesn't matter like i have worked with women and for women in in my in my industry which is uh marketing entertainment kind of esque and there are plenty of people it doesn't matter the gender it really really fucking doesn't There's and i don't an understand in- that thought process where it can't there actually is an interesting uh, dynamic at our school right now because the men's uh volleyball team opened up tryouts for the girls team too to integrate the team into a a a mural yeah Yeah. and so it's an interesting brand of feminism because at that point they all tried out Uh, but my seventh grade boys would be like you know girls can't play on the team and i have to like walk over there in the middle of art class and just like stop the conversation and be like now that's not true everyone should be afforded the same opportunities and if they can't play, then they can't play. But if they can play, they should be allowed to play. If they are as good as you, they should be allowed to play with you. You can't say just because of this one thing, you can't. Yeah, like I'm playing uh, the adult amateur league stuff that we have. It's like half the time the women were better than the men on some of these things. You're like, yeah, the men might be have like a more powerful throw, but 
you would sometimes a lot of or hell a lot of times be the last person in because you could dance around the balls. We all have our talents. Yeah. Um, the next point is women are meant for much more than the just the domestic sphere. There is a a big push right now about emotional labor, and it's really important to me that we discuss this because I feel like a lot of people take domestic labor for granted that cooking meals cleaning house paying bills washing laundry doing dishes all these things are integral to our society because otherwise we crumble into a pile of dirt and filth and never get anything done and we eat mcdonald's and we all die of obesity so it's very important and the idea that if a woman chooses a domestic life that's fine if she wants to cook for her family and she likes doing it she should but there's this understated i'm sorry there is this understood nature of a marriage or relationship that automatically the woman will be the one to do the cooking it happens in our relationship and it's not because Aaron hates me or because he thinks that I'm the better cook. I know that we could cook at an equal level because it's all about following recipes. I don't do anything crazy, guys. I follow the exact instructions on the box. Let's be perfectly honest, honey. You are a better cook than I am. Yes, but I had to pick that skill up because I realized that if I didn't, who would? And I feel like a lot of women in a lot of relationships and families dynamics come to that realization if i don't who will if i don't pick up no one will if i don't make food no one will there are nights when i'm like you know what i just i don't feel like cooking but i won't share that thought with aaron and dinner time will pass and he'll suddenly look at me and be like what happened to dinner and it's not because he's being like an asshole it's literally he didn't think that oh maybe it's dinner time and she hasn't made a move maybe i should be the one to go cook it's just not part of the way that he views the world and that's it's like those little minor forms of sexism that creep into our everyday lives when good people good men who want to be feminists who want women to have the same opportunities as men exhibit within their own lives these negative things that can break apart a woman's resolve in ways that he does not ever intend I'm sorry to lay this all on your feet right now. This is and, not a call out. Every, and now every listener hates me. No, this is not a call on Aaron's part. So uh, for me and Aaron, the thing that we have to do is tell each other. Aaron doesn't infer. So he can't read my mind. No one can read my mind. So I just have to tell him what I would like and things happen. So it's not that he is unwilling. It's just that he literally doesn't know what I'm thinking. You know, I was thinking about, you know chicken and fries for dinner if i don't say it chicken and fries do not just appear magically (laughs) (laughs) although if they did that would be swell and i do take uh take you for granted on a lot of those things like you tend to do a lot of more of the domestic stuff uh around the house but i don't expect you to be the only person to do that like when you ask for help I try to help. I'm not the best about it, but I try to help. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I'm amazing at it. No. No, Aaron wasn't that jerk on Facebook who put uh, leftover spaghetti in a pour out cup Latin says, last time my wife asks me to clean up after dinner. And he put what? it in. Yeah, he put spaghetti, leftover spaghetti in a pitcher, in like a plastic pitcher in the fridge. It's like, that's the last time my wife's going to ask me for help. And 
so half of the internet was like, you asshole. The other half is like, no, wait, this is great. Because now you can explain to him every time. And even when he says, no, I know how to do this, say, but no, honey, clearly you didn't. Look, you put spaghetti in a pitcher. Here, let me walk you through it step by step, how to put leftovers. Woman away. Woman explaining it to him. Yes, exactly. Ah, okay. Which I think is great. No, don't let him get off the hook. No, you no, hold him to no, that. he's an asshole. <laughs> Treat him like an asshole. <laughs> I can't believe my wife is asking me to do shit. Oh, no, you're a fucking... It's a partnership. <laughs> it's one half of a relationship. You can't expect... Mm, sorry. Yeah. I, and you I, feel it, I, right? I you that. feel it in your chest right now, this you indignation. Know. This is what we feel all the time. I get terrible about this stuff. Where, like, I will ask Liz to, hey, can you do the laundry? Or, hey, can you... We're learning how to work it out because I went from working from home all the time and I still worked, but it meant I had greater opportunity to do things like dishes or laundry. Now like, to being... Just start a little laundry, do an hour of work, um, start, you know... I had that ability. You know. I would hope that if Aaron worked from home, he would take that ability. But now we both work, not even full time. I'm still a part timer. I'm still home two days a week. But even now I realize that things are getting fallen by the wayside because we now have to realize that we both are equally responsible for the things inside our house. And it's still and it's still kind of a not an expectation but an assumption where oh we work from home for two uh two days a week oh you should be able to do this kind of stuff or you can go wash the car you can go because you're home two days a week whereas i'm you know yeah i work you know five days a week but i get off at a certain time if Aaron lived by himself, home. if you live by yourself, Aaron, you'd have to do all these things. Exactly. These things still have to get done no matter what. You are exactly right. And I've just realized that we pivoted dramatically from discussing the movie about six minutes ago and never came back. Let's so, go back. Well, here, this, th- th- no, it, we, we can pivot very easily because the last point is sexualization, objectification, and gender roles suck. So my father, when I was growing up, because of the shifts that he worked and because well, the hours that my mom would sometimes work... And the roles that sometimes she would work and just because of the shifts that he would work sometimes because he worked third shift for a long time. And just because when he would wake up and everything like that, um, he would actually be the one to make dinner and to to cook and, and to clean. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, the man has to do everything like that. No, I saw that my mom would still cook and clean. My dad would cook and clean. It was a partnership. No child ever suffered for seeing their parents work together and and help keep the house running. Children are negatively affected when their parents are treated badly by each other. Yeah. When a spouse says to the other spouse, "You did this wrong. You can't. You you shouldn't. You won't. You You're mustn't." An idiot because yeah. ABC. Well, speaking of ABC, every sitcom with a dumb dad. What irreparable damage to do to young people everywhere to assume that a father is incompetent because he perhaps doesn't even know because no one ever taught him because his father certainly didn't say, here, son, here's how you make a really good pasta fajoule. I recently um, left my job and got a new job. And my old job, I would be around TV, uh, different TV channels. And the one was called Laugh, which was it's actually a, a fun TV sh- channel. But they would show some of the older sh- TV uh, shows, like According to Jim. And I realized how fucking terrible that show is. Because, not only because how terrible of a character Jim was for Jim Belushi, but his wife 
is awful. Her sister is just goddamn awful. And her brother is pretty terrible, too. And that's and all, all writing. It's not because women are bad. It's literally saying yeah. if the guy has to be an incompetent idiot, then the wife has to be a nagging shrew. And manipulative at times, Always too. so manipulative. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jim is the worst. He is the god. He drugs his wife at one point so he can watch a goddamn boxing match. There needs to be, like, how there's Zach Morris is trash. According to Jim, is Jim is going to jail kind of thing. Like, that needs to fucking happen. <laughs> like, there are episodes where he learns, and that's nice. Like, there's one episode where he learns that his daughter is growing up and blah, 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 blah. Maybe because they get better writers. I don't care. Like, and I guess one episode, his son wants to wear a dress and he learns to accept it. Cool. What the fuck ever. But there's a goddamn episode where he drugs his wife. Sorry. Speaking of gender roles, you hear how T.I. polices his daughter's hymen? I would fucking smack the shit out of that. Are we living in the 18 goddamn hundreds? Are uh, we living in the 1600s? The 1500s? The 1100s? The I'm sorry. How old is this? I, I did not. Full, I will admit, I did not fully read the article. She's I only 14. Read the I think 16 at the very oldest. Okay. First off, ew. Ew. Second off, it is, that's goddamn near child, not, not endangerment. Um, yeah, like it's... um Abuse. Yeah, that procedure to check whether a hymen is intact is invasive and can be hurtful. And it, at the same time, perpetuates a lot of myths and stereotypes about the hymen. The hymen is not the gateway. The hymen can be broken in a myriad of ways before you ever have sex. It could have been broken at eight years old if you sat on a horse the wrong way. A hymen is, yeah, exactly. A hymen is, is a weird area because, like, people's hymens can be broken in so many different ways. My hymen... <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh. Regardless of whether she's having sex or no, it is strange to see a father. It's always strange to see a it's father care. It's strange to see a man called T.I. who rapped about fucking people be such a goddamn hypocrite. Well, that's so what we talk no, about. That's what we talk it's about. It's not fucking K. That's why we talk about gender roles. Like, that's the whole point that your daughter's virginity is something to keep intact as much as possible, but boys, please score as much as possible while you're young, because otherwise you're a freaking nerd. Essentially, that, to me, that's like a mother going to a, a boy's <clears throat> private area and smelling it to see if she can smell a, a woman's area. Are, are, you, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, unfortunately, dudes don't have a. Ziploc seal like us women obviously have. Okay, so there is one scene in going back to the movie, there was one scene. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron, I think every I think every movie from Feminist Month is going to have this these yeah. long discussions. There is one scene where a middle aged snooty woman uh talks about the masculinization of women. We see that every single decade, every single, almost every single year, where like, oh, how this this thing has come up. Now we're not gonna have ladies anymore. We're only gonna have men, or we're not gonna have men anymore. We're only gonna have ladies. No, we're still gonna have everything. It can't be an either or situation, like my lovely smart wife just said. Not to steal her point, but to expound upon it. But I have to admit, I still love that scene. For one line only and that's what we'll we'll finish with before we get into our last little bit 
She says, Mr. Harvey, like your chocolate bar, you are entirely nuts. I'm sorry, I love that line. <laughs> it's a good line. It's a good line. So, uh, I don't agree with the masculinization if women play sports because it's not true. I don't agree like it, with... It, it kind of like saying that women choose to be masculine just because ignores a whole host of societal factors. The reason that women are in the work field more has to do with getting a better education, having the choice about when you want to have kids, making that choice with your husband about when you want to have a family, and that it's no longer physically viable. This, they just came out with this this week. It is no longer uh, financially viable for any one person working a full-time minimum wage job to afford to live on their own renting. It checked every city, every state. You yeah. can't do it. it it's, it's almost like saying... If you don't want to have kids, then you inherently hate kids. It doesn't make fucking sense. So. Yeah, it ignores a whole bunch of societal issues when it talks about why women choose to do the things they do. Yes. So, women, live your lives, live your truth, be who you want to be, coming from a straight white cis man. Well, how about this, Aaron? I have something that you absolutely are uniquely qualified on, and it is our newest segment. Uh, I think you are uniquely qualified to handle will uh, be how we end this episode and hopefully future episodes. Uh, the question of what marriage advice can we glean from the movie we just watched? So every time we watch a TV or a movie show that we talk about, at the end of it, since we are married to the idea and our perspective is that of a married couple, it'll be our job to find a piece of actionable marital advice that we, and by extension the people at home who are married or are in a relationship, can use. So... And it might be something like, hey, don't do this. It might be some, <laughs> sometimes it might be that. So. It could be as simple as that, but we'll each come up with our own piece of advice. Aaron, do you want to go first? Sure, because mine's going to be fairly simple. Keep it brief. Yeah. Brief, brief <laughs> no, you tell me what you think. What was the piece of advice that you gathered from a league of their own? Uh, the scene where Bill Pullman uh, comes in uh, from getting discharged from the war and uh, sees Gina Davis for the first time in the movie or for the first time in a while. And um, she's trying to clear up and like give him a place to sit down. And he just stares at her and he's like, you are the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And I, you know, and I've already married you. Treat your woman or treat your partner, be it man or woman or what, or anything in between. Ladies. Uh, so, well, yeah. so, Men and women, treat your partner. Yeah. treat Listeners, treat your partner like they are the most beautiful thing that you have ever seen. That is wonderful advice, Aaron. Very sweet and poignant. And don't think I didn't write that down first, but then I didn't because I knew you would think of it. So I went further. I went deeper. Yes, I could have said that. I could have said that, yes, uh, people be as supportive as Bill Pullman. Uh, hold your partner forever. Don't ever let them go. I could have said all that. But I went farther. I went all the way back to the beginning of the movie where Tom Hanks is asleep, drunk in the dugout, missing fabulous games of baseball. And the advice that I came up with is be present in your marriage. Don't sleep it out. Don't sleep in the dugout in a drug and alcohol-induced stupor. 
be present for it. If you're with them, be with them. Don't just think just because you smiled and waved your little hat that you have done your duty. This is bullshit. Be invested in your relationship and active in it. That's a great piece of advice, son. <laughs> so this is not the end of the feminist agenda. I would like to do many more. And if not this month, Aaron has said that we can start interspersing them throughout future months and future seasons whenever the urge just strikes me to expand and kick out of the feminist corner into a larger takeover like i get to control this <laughs> aaron has the google docs so right now he technically does control this <laughs> I, I, I invited you to it and you are allowed to edit aaron i don't get technology i'm 29 <laughs> whatever felicia <laughs> okay boomer uh boo so uh, those are our piece of advices. Uh, so if you like the advice, uh, be sure to comment and uh, to subscribe for more advice coming on later episodes. As my husband says, be sure to like and subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. I would say sharing is the best thing you can do. Yes, please share and share like. Uh, if you liked our messages in this, we would really appreciate it. If that. you have thoughts on undiscovered feminist gems that would be worth discussing, not ones that are overtly feminist. I'm kind of more interested in the ones that like quietly introduce feminism in a way that even the plebs understand and like. Mm. I'm interested in that sort of societal change. Like uh, uh, Mad Max, Fury Road, or... Uh... Don't think I didn't want to review that. You already did. Yeah, that's why we can't. But boy, <laughs> that, that would have been the best one for Feminist Corner. <laughs> uh, so, yes, if you have any ideas for either of those, please let us know. So, until next time... She's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.